0: Good evening and welcome to Screen Tone Club. This is episode 59 being recorded on the 6th of September 2020 for release on the 8th of September 2020. um, We got a bit out of kink and we had a late episode last week, real life concerns to deal with. Um, We are a fortunately look at manga with myself and Elliot Elliot Page and my lovely co-host Mr Andy Hanley. How are you doing Andy?
1: Yes, yeah, I'm doing very well. My my real life concern was buggering off to the Highlands of Scotland for a week to to take a, a bit of a breather. So uh, I I can't I can't really pretend it was too stressful.
0: Oh uh, well, I had this whole backstory of you being an international spy, but I suppose you know family trip works just as well. So
1: yeah, yeah, I was o- on assignment. <laughs> yes,
0: the internationally renowned phrase for podcasters who have fucked off. oh <laughs> uh, dear. As for me, I turned 35, so I am now Otaku expiration date plus five. Um, The Green Reaper will come for me soon, I guess. Um, but more importantly, um, this is a manga podcast about lovely, lovely manga. We have a focus on joint discussion where we pick our titles ahead of time so we both get to read them and have a nice little jaunty discussion about it. If you like what we're doing, you can support us on Patreon. We have a lovely Patreon where lovely, lovely people give us money to help defer the cost of all this manga we buy. And also, if you um, pay at the $3 and up tier, you get to vote on what we cover in monthly bonus episodes that are patron exclusive. We also have our $12 shout-out tier, of which Mr. Rob Jessup is a member. So, thank you as always, Mister Rob. So, um, normally we'd have the section called "Returning Champions," where we talk about series we've discussed previously in the podcast, but um, we don't have any to mention at this point. Um, I guess I could say, "Please read Chainsaw Man once again," um, but I get ev- I guess everyone's already heard that already, haven't they?
1: Yeah, I, I feel. I, I will say, I feel like I'm hearing that from an increasing number of corners now. Like, I feel like this has gone from a, a thing that's been a sort of. A, a, a sort of, a, not quite a, a hushed secret, but has been just like a very vocal small corner of the internet to being a far more explosive thing that i see every week where people are losing their minds over it It seems to be it, it seems to have found a certain zeitgeist at least around kind of people that i follow online
0: yeah i feel like um people in, people including myself are now doing the whole thing where we go back into our timeline to find tweets from months ago where we first recommended it and then retweeting them or quote tweeting them with like oh, i told you fuckers um <laughs> uh, kind of mention um but yeah i'm i'm i feel like as you said, say like a lot of people are discovering it and i yeah it's it's whip smart and also really terrifying which is a good combo i suppose where i want to see what happens but i am terrified to see what happens so there's my potted chainsaw man review i love it <laughs> yeah. but it hurts me <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, for for, for sure, and I, I will also say while while we're on that track, um, I I continue to uh, use "tis time for torture princess" as my happy place. Yes, um, and I I didn't I didn't realize how much I needed it until the uh, the creator took a week off, and I kind of found myself like crying in despair at my tablet that I had to have a week without uh, kind of wholesome wholesome shenanigans
0: there's a the most it's it's obscenely healing which is i know i don't mean in a flippant way i mean in an earnest way where like like there's an episode where Tortora is driving home on like a motorway and goes to a rest stop and finds vending machines that give her hot food and it just turns into this roaming sort of like like weird ode to like surprisingly good vending machine hot food i i'm getting confused while i say this because it's so wild it's almost like someone wrote like a fucking manga series extolling little chef or something
1: i mean yeah it it felt very much like the author had just come back from a long drive doing exactly that and be like okay content that'll do um and and, and i'm here for it
0: yeah like maybe i should make a comic strip about that time that i ate so many fish fingers in a little chef that i threw up on the way home and we were forever banned from going into little chef because i could not be trusted so yeah, I
1: mean, it is it is a kind of torture. So why why not?
0: Does Little Chef still exist? Oh my god!
1: I think so. I don't know. There's a, please, please write in if you you, you work at or, or know of a Little Chef. When I, I
0: went back home for Christmas um, last year, the Wimpy had gone. We still had a Wimpy, but it's now gone. Um,
1: yeah, it- yeah. Those those are very few and far between. Like that. That was my my childhood burger chain was kind of Wimpy, and then yeah, like the the, the big boys muscled in, and, and Wimpy was kind of no more.
0: Yeah, we had a Wimpy until the local. Um, like basically drug dealer controlled um drug den slash greasy spoon took over um uh, but that's an entirely separate point that i'm not going to get into because that's going to be a half an hour explanation about what the <laughs> fuck happened in my hometown
1: yeah that's that's been your fast food minute yeah podcast.
0: yeah god i'm hungry now anyway let's get this podcast done um so um do you want to go first with your pick andy um because mine's a bit more um, potatoes and yours is a bit more meat i suppose
1: <laughs> sure yes let's uh let's get get the meat on the grill also you mentioned
0: you were very excited to talk about it and so am I, so let's go! Uh,
1: yes, yeah, I mean, one, one of the things that kind of came out of the in Del- us recording this is, after sitting on my hands promising myself I wouldn't read ahead, I ended up buying and reading Volume 2 of this as well. But I could I'll have try... bet that
0: that would have happened, frankly.
1: Yeah, but I, I shall try to keep this to, to Volume 1. Um, so yeah, so my pick for, for this podcast is BL Metamorphosis, um, which is a, a, a series about a, a very kind of unusual friendship, basically. Um, and so that the first character that this uh, book introduces you to is actually a 75 year old, old lady. Um, her name's Yuki Ichinoi. Um, her husband has passed away, like, some years previously. Uh, she runs, like, calligraphy classes for kids. So, you know, she still kind of gets herself sort of out there in the community. You know, she's, she's a, a friendly, chatty old lady of, of kind of the, of the best kind. Um, and, uh, one day she's out in town, um, and she kind of ends up wandering into a bookstore and, like, sees the manga section and just has one of those whimsical moments that I think everybody can relate to where you're in a store and just like, oh yeah, like, here's a thing that I've not, like, read or done in a long time, and she kind of thinks, like, yeah, I've not really read, like, manga since I was a kid, so I'll have a look around and I'll I'll just pick something up, kind of at random. Um, and she ends up buying a, a volume of a boys' love series. Much to the confusion of, of the cashier, who's like, not entirely sure whether this woman knows what she's getting into, but you know, hey, the customer's always right, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so, um, Ichinoi goes back home, reads the volume, is like, mildly surprised, like, oh, this isn't what I thought it would be, but, but loves it. Um, like, gets really kind of invested in the relationship and the characters. Um, which in turn kind of leads her going to, you know, pick up future volumes of the, further uh, volumes of the series, uh, which kind of brings her into contact with Urara, who is a young girl who works in that bookstore, um, and is also a fan of Boys Love, but particularly is a fan of that particular same series. Um, she's kind of a shy awkward girl Um she's kind of at home when she's at work in the bookstore but she's really not very good at approaching people outside of that like you know she has classmates who are clearly into manga but she doesn't really know how to to break the ice and kind of you know talk to them so she's kind of a, a bit of a a bit of a loner and kind of really would just love to have somebody to to shoot the breeze about you know the stuff that she likes with uh which is where the kind of the relationship comes in because uh, and and Yuki just kind of end up uh, end up hanging out basically because it b- becomes clear that you know Yuki Ichinoi wants to to know more about about the particular series that she's been reading uh Urara is kind of well placed to kind of take her down that path and give her other recommendations and so you know they end up kind of going out to tea to talk about manga et etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh I really like this like this volume in in a number of different ways like for starters, I think it's a really good kind of example of being a a fan of something, especially something that's kind of niche. Like it's, it very much felt like sort of my own experiences in in anime fandom and and I guess kind of manga as well, where you have that point where you find things that you love, but because they're not really mainstream, you don't really have anybody else to to talk to about those things. And it can be kind of a lonely and frustrating experience where the, the 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 things that you consume and that you want to talk about are not the things that are consumed by everybody. Like, everyone can kind of sit around the office and talk about, like, the latest Marvel movie. Not everybody can sit around and talk about the latest, like, you know, insert obscure anime here. And it becomes a real kind of uh, mission to find, you know, like-minded people outside of kind of online discourse who you can actually, you know... Hang out with and talk about these things, and I think this this book is a is a really good kind of a really good sort of take on that, and a kind of like little sort of investigation into to what that's like and how it feels to find somebody who actually kind of shares your passion for something. Mm. I feel like um,
0: I feel like Yuki in particular um, is kind of so divorced from any kind of wider culture like you know she's 75 bless her she's had a full life of experiences and now she's a widow widow and she comes upon this um bl volume just because she likes the look of the cover which you know i think everyone has been guilty of that and she doesn't know anything about how to actually hook into the wider discussion about what she's reading like she doesn't even know that there is such a thing as boys love until she talks to ura and that's kind of the nicest thing is that you know each is a lovely lovely character who is both like i feel like she's like the combination of all the nicest parts and the most innocent and naive um parts of fandom where it's like the open the arms wide open sort of enjoyment of it and not understanding that maybe it's a bit out of the mainstream it's just oh i like this i hope those two make a go of it in this story i wonder if there's more and it's that kind of wide open like embrace with who like does the whole thing about hiding her bl books behind different piles of books in her bookshelf and keeps them in a box etc and has quite a wide knowledge but almost like knows too much to be freely open with it because she's she feels the pressure of her own knowledge and also just she knows how intensely niche it is and is extremely scared and isn't the best at social stuff um and so kind of ends up kind of finding her perfect outlet in yuki who is very interested in all this and so it makes this really perfect combination and i think honestly is that watching the two of them just kind of talk is really nice which i know sounds really facile of me but it's just a really lovely wholesome you know, relationship of the two of them finding companionship both as people but also in this thing they both enjoy. Um, yeah. So they, they both, to use a rather annoy, annoying phrase again, but they both kind of complete each other ever so slightly, um, which works really well.
1: Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. And I, I think the other really nice thing that uh, that kind of comes from from Yuki's character as well is because she comes in with this kind of like, you know, complete sort of blindness to to modern manga and kind of the whole boys love genre it kind of it really sort of underpins something that i hope we've at least championed somewhat on this podcast that like boys love is not just you know it's not just for kind of shipping fangirls etc cetera, etc cetera. like it is good romantic drama when it is well done like it just because it's a boys love series just because it's a homosexual relationship doesn't mean that it should be closed off from you know people who are heterosexual or male or whatever like a good story is a good story and like the the orientation of the characters involved really you know shouldn't be a, a barrier to enjoying that stuff and, and I think that's something that kind of is put across really well via kind of Yuki's um her reactions to kind of reading this, this particular series that she becomes enamored with because I kind of I, part of me was sort of expecting this to be sort of the lowest common denominator of just being kind of a slightly leery it's like Ooh, oh it's boys getting it on this is interesting but it's actually not about that it's like you say it is that very kind of it's far more just like oh I like these characters like I hope everything works out for them and like that I think is kind of a really valuable thing like that, that this series puts across that you know it's not just the kind of you know fujoshi baits you know shipping these characters etc cetera, etc cetera. like you know good boys love series are still good human drama stories that anybody can enjoy and they're they're still relatable and kind of universal because the the ultimate emotions involved are are kind of almost at least to some extent kind of divorced from any other concerns
0: yeah i this is not a research thing and so please do not pin me to the mast for this although feel free if you want to um but i feel like one of the things about western like bl fandom is that Like a lot of material is easier to sell and translate if it is erotic or like sexual uh, much more like explicit because it's a lot easier to actually explain the attraction of it it's like hey this is about these two fighting each other and getting it on um, in whatever way that takes and so it's a lot easier to sell that whereas you could imagine there's a huge amount of like more sort of soft or relationship based um, stuff around the edges is a lot more difficult to sell because it's a lot more sort of just um, you know a lot more um, what's the word uh, nuanced, I suppose. I'm mm. failing at the word here, but it is on these things where it's like, oh, it's much like like massive, broad, sweeping comparison, which might not be accurate here. So asterisk is like when comic kit comes around, there's a huge amount of non-pornographic work, like full-on novels, um like gag manga, like other sort of strips. But the stuff that is easiest and most rec- readily translatable, translated, and has an audience is the pornography, because. Mm. It's not hard to translate porno because generally, unless it's going really crazy, you can kind of guess what they're saying um, or grunting, I suppose. And also, it's a, it has a much more ready audience. Like, people are always going to want to look at porno. Um, and so there's a huge amount of stuff which is, like, around the edges, which is acts as ephemera to everyone who doesn't already have a line into it. Which is basically my long, like, my long run-up to saying that, I suppose, in... Uh, a west a japanese audience you'd be like oh yeah of course there's plenty of like non-explicit yaoi or bl whereas in the western side i suppose the pornographic stuff comes first in mind again sweeping generalizations here please don't take this as word of god like i have not researched this but i feel like it's a case where like almost like the fact that Western fandom is a bit more like it has more knowledge of the porny, porny bits, but first um, kind of makes it more surprising, which if anything is a pleasant surprise of like, Oh, okay. They're bonding over, this rather tame work and then of course urara has some more risque stuff and it's and there there is a like a rather sort of cute point where she's very scared about introducing that to yuki but also doesn't want to lie to her yada yada it leads to this rather nice little sort of point of tension around being led on left on red sort of thing which i feel like is appearing in more and more manga nowadays The the horrors of using whatsapp i suppose
1: Yeah, yeah, for for sure. But yeah, I mean, I I think you're certainly right about kind of like, yeah, the the sort of the the scope of of Boys Love series and kind of perhaps the Western versus Japanese perceptions. But I I think there's also that perception that kind of certainly more sort of otaku-centric kind of anime and manga tends to always go down that, you know, if the characters into Boys Love, they're always kind of the, the... Stereotypical Fujoshi character who's always kind of like, you know, shipping everybody, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's, there's in much the same way as like the male Itaku has like the sort of the cliches you know, character arch type. There's the same kind of, the same sort of version of that for, for Fujoshi, which again, I think sort of. Almost poisons the discourse at some point around kind of you know that that sort of genre and you know the the people that read that stuff and I think it's just kind of nice to see a work that sort of balances it so much better and kind of like you know reminds you that there is way more to it than than that and I, I think this this book does it really well Um and I, I think that the final thing that I really really liked about this story that it just it often just kind of comes through in, in kind of quieter more subtle moments is. It's a really nice little story about growing up and growing old. Like, when it comes to kind of Arara's character, like, you know, she has sort of a childhood friend who clearly they used to hang out a lot, but, you know, he's kind of unfortunately grown up to kind of be the hot guy who's sort of quite popular. And there's this kind of, you know disconnect as as these two characters have grown up they've also sort of not even necessarily grown apart per se like i think they're actually pretty close but it's just like socially kind of you know just the the social hierarchy has kind of almost forcibly pulled them apart and like there's some really kind of interesting little moments that volume two feels like it's maybe pushing the the series towards doing a bit more with that around those kind of characters um which is you know kind of quite interesting and i think even more so with kind of yuki's worldview like seeing her as somebody who is you know growing old and is kind of coming to terms with the fact that you know they're, they're at the end of their life basically um you know there's a moment where um you know that they're heading out to to a signing event and uh, she kind of reminisces about like a a place that she was supposed to have visited with her husband but they put it off at the time because it was really busy and just said ah you know there'll be another day there'll be another chance to to go check this out and then it's that kind of uh, kind of poignant realization that that there wasn't another time and they actually never got to do that and it's kind of this this little reminder kind of from from her point of view which I, i guess kind of then gets imparted on almost of just like hey don't don't hesitate don't wait and say there'll be another day to do things because there will come a point in your life when actually there may not be another time to do those things and I think it, it does that stuff really well. And then even in a more, in a more comedic fashion, like, you know, one of the first things that, uh, Yuki kind of does when she starts realizing, like, that the speed of releases of volumes of this series is basically calculating, like, how many of these volumes am I, I going to be able to read before I die? Like, you know, which is a kind of, like, it, it's kind of morbid, but it's done in quite a kind of humorous way of kind of like an old lady who, you know, she, she, she knows that she's, she's not going to live forever. And, you know, that, that her kind of time is running towards an end. And it's just, that kind of ponderance of like man I hope these volumes kind of come out a bit quicker because I'd really like to to read at least a bit more of this story before I pop my clogs um and I think it does some really good work with on both ends of the spectrum from the kind of like teenage uh, teenage angst in a sense through to kind of like you know the the old age sort of realization that like hey like your time on this earth is finite and you know just make the most of it
0: yeah totally I think I mean having talked to my own grandmother like like there would be rather strange conversation should she just talk about like the frequency of funerals she's going to and it's like oh mm. crap <laughs> but you know fully aware of it eyes open like clear-eyed like mortality is here and it's among my friends um which you know makes sense especially for yuki um bless her and yeah, it kind of makes this very pleasant thing, as you say, where the two are kind of learning from each other in very different ways. Um, and Yuki as well is very perceptive. You know, she's worked around kids and people, and so she, you know, she understands that Uraura might be a little bit awkward. So she's, you know, she's also. I think she's also this, the breakout sort of charming hit of the series is Yuki as being a very lovely character, um, yeah. which I really enjoy reading her. And it's nice that you're you kind of are introduced to her first, and she is the the point character, as it were, because she's a really pleasant and it is nice to see how she kind of slots into everything um so yes i haven't read volume two yet unlike yourself but i am curious to continue reading it because it is really it's a really fascinating read as well like it's just fascinating because of the way it treats the characters and like bl as a whole and how it fits into people's lives as just a you know another niche hobby it just involves dudes kissing so
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah and i I mean i I will say just quickly i i did really enjoy volume two like it it, it's a more character-centric volume i'd say kind of like almost the 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 core of kind of the 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 reading bl angle of it almost kind of gets parked somewhat for quite a bit of the volume because it takes a bit more time to kind of to just spend some time with the the characters and and maybe kind of introduce a little bit more of of the world around them um which it has to do the
0: metamorphosis half doesn't it
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is kind of like you know those part of me that was almost disappointed because I just wanted to kind of watch these two just like you know shooting the breeze ab- about BL and-, and all that kind of stuff. But actually, like the-, the character stuff is is really good and it's not it's not like in your face drama. Like it's all very subtle, kind of very you know real real life problems, um, you know, and-, and not anything too overblown. Um, so it's it's really enjoyable and, and pleasant, and I- I'll definitely be be keeping up with the series as it as it goes on because uh, yeah i I definitely really really enjoyed this
0: yeah it's currently at four volumes in japan two volumes released here um there was a note um the author released like a notice at some point um via twitter or some other social media saying that there's a there's a little bit left quote unquote so it's gonna be on the shorter side by the looks of it unless they're like telling porcupines um to go back like quite a bit but when you mentioned about like ura and her childhood friend like how they kind of just slowly drifted apart i think the the phrase i want to use with that and apologies for like grandstanding but i think it's like a case where they just ended up swimming in different waters as it were mm-hmm. where that kind of happens like you you get surrounded by different social groups of friends and then before you know it there's a weird gulf and you're like oh they're over there weird how'd that happen shit and then suddenly you're like oh i, I used to be best buds with them what happened like i don't know like thinking back that's probably one way you can describe it
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's exactly it, and it's, yeah, and it's, again, I I think it's really well kind of played, it's one of the things that I think, this book does kind of surprisingly well when you consider, you know, you have kind of teenage characters on the one hand, and then, you know, somebody who's kind of in their mid-70s in the other, is that I feel like it captures those two characters like equally well, like it, it manages to, to, to look at the teenage experience and kind of like put it across in a way that isn't sort of sensationalized. It's a very, very real and very reasonable one. Like, I mean, Aurora in, in any other series would be like, complete kind of you know antisocial what can barely talk to anybody kind of like you know stereotypical you know social anxiety character whereas I, I feel like you know her actual character in this book is, is a way more kind of measured and reasonable one of like no she's fine interacting with certain people once she's comfortable around them and in environments she's comfortable in it's just like she loathes going outside of that comfort zone and feels incredibly like inept once she once she gets caught outside of those confines which you know for felt kind of very relatable um and then kind of Yuki on the other side just felt like you know the grandmother everybody wants like she's kind of you know she she's she's up for doing things just to kind of like be with what the kids are doing and you know she like you say she's she's very she's very used to kind of dealing with younger people she's you know she's she's not one of those kind of get off my lawn types you know she's totally willing to to give people you know the the space and time that they need if you know to to do what they they want to do and like they're both really kind of good characters to see just kind of put on the page because they they both they both work really well for what they what they need to be in this story yeah
0: totally um she's yeah she's very very open-minded understanding uh side of grandmotherliness so that's nice um but yeah i'm i'm curious i'm curious to read volume two now especially on your uh, mention so guess i'm buying that after this podcast
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 well worth a read and, and i will say like as, as a final thing i also really like the the artwork throughout this volume like it's i i feel like it's it's just full of character like it really puts across both of the main characters and and, and everybody around them in a really in in a really good way like it doesn't have anything that's particularly outstanding of like oh look at that but it just it just has a kind of life to it that it sort of breathes into all of those characters which i think is at least partly down to the fact that they're well written but kind of like the the visuals sort of help it along and kind of you know just just give it that extra little push
0: yeah totally it's a very yeah it's just very enjoyable to i I can't really think of anything in particular, but it's just very pleasant to look at on the screen i I know that's really sorry it's really base of me, but it is just a really nice thing to look at <laughs>
1: so yeah
0: i really should think of a better way of explaining it than nice but there you go sorry i failed <laughs> yeah, you
1: but no no i mean i i think that's exactly it like there's not really any kind of one thing that you can put your finger on and say oh, it's really good because this it just it, it's one of those things it's exactly what it needs to be for the story and the characters in question and it just puts them across perfectly without kind of having to to do any anything particularly kind of crazy or opulent
0: yeah it never feels like it has like unused stuff or chaff in the way it's generally it's it's usually just like hey here is what you want to see and isn't it nice um a lot of good very attractive views of verandas i suppose like (laughs) the cover especially really sells the idea of sitting on a veranda with some books and a a mug of iced tea so um (laughs) there i'm 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 willing to at at the ripe old age of 35 i'm very willing to retire and hang around on a veranda Um, if anyone wants to if anyone wants to help sponsor me to do that
1: (laughs) yeah it it is a it is a strong serving suggestion for this series totally totally
0: um but yeah that's um unless you want anything else andy that's been um uh, bl metamorphosis why did i forget the title it's so obvious jesus
1: (laughs) uh yeah no that that is that is it for me but yeah definitely one that i would i'd recommend if uh, if it sounded interesting to you
0: totally definitely agreed cool uh so moving on to my pick which is the slightly more as mentioned potatoes part of this podcast um i picked a real ass book a real real book um it's nearly a4 size even um and i picked manga manga the world of japanese comics by frederick l shot um who is basically kind of like an elder statesman slash massive colossus in the manga sphere especially the like professional and um like, academic sphere. Um, so manga manga, the world of Japanese comics, um, recently got a reprinting, um, published by Kodansha, um, real deal Kodansha, and it was available for like 12 pound, 10 pound, wherever. I think it's still physical only, um, but it kind of helps because it's a nice big page. But manga manga, the world of Japanese, Japanese comics, um, is, was written initially in 1983 by Frederick Shote, which was like, well, frankly, before I was bloody well born, that's for sure. And Andy was probably like, like tottering around on his little feeties at that point, weren't you? So it's an old book, um, but it's a very, very relevant one because it's a very, very clear and clear eyed and very earnest and very well researched evaluation of manga and what it is at a time when it was only really coming over in dribs and drabs to the West. And in particular was often like purchased um, license rights to, and then was remodeled into something else like Star Blazers, et cetera. Um, but anyway, the book um, comes out kind of as a big long form essay. Um, it kind of works both as an artistic um, discussion of manga and its stylings as a historical um, topic, kind of going back into pre-World War II, um, post-World War II, the war itself and how this affected and how it shaped manga. And also the commotional and societal elements of manga. So it kind of works as this fully all-encompassing look at manga. And I think the most interesting part of it, at least myself, is how clear-eyed and how earnest and straightforward it is. The language never gets away from itself. It never gets fully into ivory tower garbage. Um, and it always may re- remains interesting, um, if at times slightly a bit nerdy and bookwormish, I suppose. But it remains constantly interesting throughout. And it tells you like this very clear story of manga and how it came to be. There is a, a sort of an author's note written in 1997 saying, hey, this is a reprint. I haven't changed the text much, apart from updating a few bits and pieces, because there isn't really a need to do that, um, because the book still stands as a good um, looking into the first X years of manga up until 1983. And a lot of what it kind of talks about, you can kind of extrapolate to modern day. Um, a lot of things it discusses, you can kind of take and run with to where things are now. And it kind of is a nice... As I say, it's a nice tome of like here is manga, the story so far as of this point. But it's probably one of the more clear and really well put together explanations of manga, both historical and at the time current, and the different facets of it. And he also like one of the things that's very interesting about it is it doesn't it's, it doesn't get very insidery. Like, there's a lot of stuff that it highlights or talks about, especially when it comes to shojo manga or seinen manga, um, which being like neck deep in it or constantly swimming in the pool you don't notice or take for granted and so having it actually clearly spelled out some of the hallmarks of the art and the storytelling and where it springs from is very fascinating of like oh oh yeah that is where all that comes from oh crap i never thought about that too hard but now it's everywhere because it's just part of the background radiation and so yeah I really enjoyed it it's a nice it's a nice like coffee table thing and it's a nice book uh, it also has a whole heap of manga selections which were a bit more interesting and fascinating then because Fred translated them himself and they are flopped so they read left to right um but it can comp- comp- binds a whole heap of different stories, including a part of Barefoot Gen, which apparently at that point had not been fully translated or had only been released in a Eyes version, whereas now there's been several printings of the damn thing. Um, in fact, it's very difficult to try and get a whole set of one of them. So yeah, I find it's a re- it's kind of an interesting work. It's not fully revelatory, but it is a really good sort of landmark in terms of, as I say, once again, just very clear and well-written um, prose about Marga. He even has a foreword by Tezuka, so you know it's good. <laughs> so, yeah, um, what did you think about this, Andy? Do you, do you begrudge me making you read this hunk of book? Uh,
1: no, no. I mean, it's it's the kind of thing that, that I'm also... I, I always find this kind of thing interesting, and it's... Yeah, I I, I kind of can't really disagree with, with anything that you said. Like, it's, it's, a, it's kind of weird, you know, even somebody who reads a decent amount of manga... It, it kind of makes you realize, like, when you actually go back to brass tacks and kind of basically just talk about, like, hey, what is manga? Like, there's actually a lot more to it that you kind of don't, you don't really think about on a kind of, you know, a day to day level when you, you read the stuff. And yeah, I think it's a really nice kind of insightful and concise kind of journey through that, you know, and it, it does everything that it, it seeks to do really well really clearly and concisely like you say it doesn't kind of sit in an ivory tower or anything i mean there is part of me that would love to see something that's a little more akin to kind of like jonathan clement's anime a history but for manga which is you know more on the kind of i mean that you know that was literally jonathan clement's doctorate on the industrial history of animation of japanese animation just made into a book like a kind of i would also like to see the the more kind of like you know highbrow version of that if you like that kind of you know focuses really on the sort of the the production and the business of it in a a really detailed way because i think that would actually be really interesting as well yeah because this touches Um, on that
0: especially in terms of like post-war and how that shaped the format but then it kind of stops like it kind of does this almost like simpsons disco stew-esque thing about like oh and if these numbers continue xyz um i mean especially nowadays like uh, when this was written obviously it was completely paper-based uh <laughs> and physical whereas now you have digital horning into it into things that would make again a very interesting reading for a current look at how industry standards stand
1: yeah yeah and i would you know that that is kind of another book like i, I think for, for what this particular title is like it kind of gets the balance right of talking about that stuff where it's really kind of important and pertinent and like you say kind of post-war you know and, and kind of like tezuka kind of revolutionizing the whole thing is kind of like where it's at but i i would be really interested to to read kind of you know a, a real kind of thorough you know sort of uh, uh doctorate level kind of analysis of that stuff because I, I think it would be fascinating. But but that is very much a, a different book to, to this one. Um, I, the, the one other thing I will say, like you mentioned that kind of updated kind of introduction from the author. I, I did... Uh, Role wise, at least a little uh, as to kind of that that updated introduction, having a bit of a get off my lawn moment of just like, oh, manga artists these days aren't uh, they don't work as hard and they're not as passionate about the art as they were in the old days. It's like they're all just in it for a quick buck, and it's like I don't really think that's necessarily true. Like I think that's very much a kind of generational, like, oh, these kids and their these kids and their comics, you know, they they're not they're not like uh, not like in my day.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's kind of a weird case where, not meaning to demean the fellow, because, again, he is a titan in the space, but I feel like he kind of picked his moment of where he think it was idealised and stuck to it, Um if that makes yeah. sense. I mean you see that all the time. I mean, hell, it happened, it happens to every fan in different ways where you kind of reach your point or you look at your point of when you think it was idealised and go, why isn't it like then? And it's like, well, stuff can't stay static or it dies. And so you know things are going to advance and change and you know you can it, it's it's a, it's there's a pining for different times no matter when so i i can kind of understand that in particular i completely forgot about that aspect of it um given that i had the entire rest of the book to read through afterwards <laughs> oops uh, but yeah it, <laughs> yeah, it definitely yeah. feels like there is kind of this just this i mean as i say like the majority of the book is left untouched and so prov- provides you this snapshot i mean uh, on a slightly different tactic i kind of i don't agree with him as such but this book did give me a strange pining for a lot of the history which we don't see over in the west where there's lots and lots of stories and like um like key landmark titles and elements like parts of gekiga and other stories that are just not available in the west and some of it's available in different languages like hell italy and germany and france have tons of wild stuff that you would consider hallmarks of manga that you'd love to see but are just not translated out in English. And it's one of these things where you look at all that stuff and go, man, I I wish this was available, but I'm sure someone has done a cost-benefit analysis and how much it would cost to like, make a real deal book or volume um, of it and it would be not very not the balance the scales would not balance nicely but due to capitalism and yeah, yeah like like for example candy candy um which is like a huge huge thing and i've known about from talking to friends who are also deeply into manga and especially the like academic part of manga like i know one person who was doing a manga thesis and they said yeah i'm reading candy candy from japanese because no one else bloody well has it apart from italian which i know less italian than i do japanese so here i am um
1: yeah yeah it's it's definitely it it is it is a a weird thing and i I kind of part of me keeps hoping that that you know maybe the sort of the the growth of sort of manga and and light novels in the west will see some people maybe taking risks on some more of that stuff um and i think we've seen like seven seas have sort of started like dipping a toe into it occasionally with stuff like you know devil man etc etc and kind of going back a bit deeper into history but yeah i mean it's the same issue kind of you know from 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 an anime perspective that that you see where you know there are there are kind of the the well-known classics that you know made it over to to the west at at just the right time you know your akira's ghost in the shells that you can you can sell ad infinitum and people will you know people will will gravitate towards it from you know nostalgia and and kind of you know it just being a well known property and then you kind of have like the some of the, the the kind of more localized things like you know France got a bunch of things like you know Lady Oscar in anime form where you know you can sell it easily in France, but you can 't in the u k because it 's not a known property there and yeah like it it is it is really hard to sell that stuff that is you know it's not new it's not in the zeitgeist but it's not also not in kind of the the nostalgia strike zone of kind of the target market you'd need to sell enough and it, it, it is a real shame because yeah there is a lot of a lot of manga that would be you know incredibly valuable to have officially translated into english as kind of you know as something that's readily available because yeah the, the history is important it is fascinating and there are just a lot of really great works that are just sort of left by the wayside because you know everybody's interested in in what what is new and shiny and it's, it's way more difficult to sell people on you know something that's kind of like 50 years old at this point and uh, it, it is a shame like I, I hope it does rebalance at least somewhat or somebody finds a way to make that stuff kind of work beyond you know sort of Perhaps slightly, uh, slightly iffy Tezuka Kickstarters, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because, yeah, it would be really nice to see some of that stuff kind of get its, uh, get its, its rightful kind of publication outside of, uh, outside of Japan. I mean,
0: it's always the case where some stuff, um, is brought out, but not fully where, for example, pardon me, Seven Seas did those, um, like harlock and devil man and cutie honey omnibus editions nice big thick omnibus hardback editions but only some of them released digitally which sucks because i don't have space for giant hardback volumes so you know and yeah just some stuff becomes unavailable like even digitally it becomes hard to source uh yeah the natural sort of like the destruction of um of history just because you can't keep it available all the time etc um here is where i talk about our fully communist future where we can have all media available for free but whatever i'll cut (laughs) out and carry on um but yeah it's as i say this it would be nice to as you say to read a more academic or up just at the very minimum up-to-date version of this um one thing that i do admit is that my previous reading of yoshihiro tatsumi's a drifting life um which was about um The entire gekiga movement and his life like semi-autobiographically talking about manga and how it played in his life and his creative processes and it was kind of nice to see that kind of intersect with this um with this book as well with some of the historical elements and also just the the spawning of gekiga and some of those movements it was like okay this stuff all kind of it felt nice to kind of help it all have it all mesh together in my head and go okay here's where all this goes um yeah
1: yeah that that stuff is is all nice yeah i mean i i think the the main thing i'd I'd say like as far as this book goes is sometimes uh, and and partly because there are plenty of people who have written kind of either sort of you know more beginner's guides to to manga or they've you know they've kind of been uh, effectively kind of cheap you know not knock them together kind of works like this is you know my my concern like going into this was like oh is this just going to be a book that i read and be like yeah i knew that yeah i knew that whereas this is this is definitely definitely a book that that has more to it than that like even if you think you know a decent amount about mangrove I feel like you'll you'll learn things or at least piece things together that you probably didn't know previously and I think that's kind of that's the real benefit of, of something like this that is written by somebody who's clearly you know like you say a sort of a, a titan of the the industry and, and kind of like looking at it from a western perspective in their own right is that there is there is a really kind of interesting and, and, and rich kind of history and detail in places here that you know give gives you a perspective that you maybe wouldn't have had previously.
0: Yeah, I, I know I've said this before so apologies for hammering this again, but I think there is a real benefit to this being like all but the 1983 text because it gives you a nice stopping point where you know since the 90s you've got a bit more you've got obviously the internet and such accelerating both the pace of things but also like making it ever so slightly easier to collate and keep track of this stuff although bit rot exists site that sites vanish off the internet the internet archive is not pervasive But having this based out of 1983 and looking back from there provides all this stuff that is usually less sexy or left by the Y side or not discussed very much. So it is a case of like, oh, most of this is stuff that I did not know, or it fills in detail on stuff that previously I only had a cursory knowledge of. So you know more old stuff please I suppose <laughs> um,
1: yeah yeah and, and and to be fair like even the the sort of the updated element of this book it is still for the most part actually quite a, a prescient and interesting kind of update from like the original publication which you know it is some of it is a quite rightful kind of like I told you so of like yeah this you know this could be a big deal it's like yeah now it's a bigger deal <laughs> I, I told you um, and you know I, I think a lot of that stuff is actually kind of valid and, and kind of a useful addendum to to you know this sort of initial introductions of just like yeah this is how this thing has grown you know outside of japan like this is actually you know impressive and good to know it's just like it, it's just a shame that it, it also had its kind of like old man yells at cloud moment as well
0: yeah i mean you can't really help that um, sudden thing, I mean, uh, not to be too mean, but I mean, you know, the author is in fact 70, um, and he's doing damn yeah. well for it, frankly, if you look at his, unless his, um, bio picture is retouched, holy cow, which I hope I'm doing that well at 70, holy cow, so... <laughs> But yeah, as you say there, I mean, hell, I mean, even at, again, 35, like where I am now, I still sometimes have this whole old man it was a cloud element about, like, ugh, back in my day, it's like, wait, you didn't really have a day, Elliot. Like, shut up. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah.
1: And, and yeah, like, I, I think, yeah, it, it comes to us all, like, you know, I, I think we, we all have those moments where you kind of look at the, the current state of, you know, insert medium here and be like, I'm sure it used to be way more innovative and interesting, like back when I was younger. And, and, and a lot of that is just, you know, not having the the ability to remove yourself a few years from what's coming out right now and it's like you know we, we're sitting here and be like ah, everything's an isekai blah 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 and yet probably the things that will surface and kind of be talked about a decade from now or maybe the things that are are sort of you know perhaps suffocated underneath all those isekai novels in the moment and you know i, I think it is kind of going to be interesting to see you know a, a decade from now when we're still doing this podcast i'm sure like you know what we'll, we'll we'll be thinking about out from you know things that came out in twenty twenty.
0: Yeah it's it's that sort of thing that's really fascinating is you know sometimes stepping back and getting a bit head in clouds and going, what will be remembered from this year? I mean you can bet certain things like Rona will be remembered obviously, but like what titles will shape the future just like it's not only what is big now but what shapes the future and what is constantly referred to. I mean there's that whole velvet underground joke, you know, like ten people watched them but every one of them made a band that changed the world, yada yada. Yeah. So it's that sort of thing that makes it interesting about like well you know will sword out online be remembered in a decade who knows i mean hell like at the time of recording like just last week like there was the announcement of another susumiya has Hazu- a uh, haruhi susumiya book like a real another light novel coming out like another haruhi and it's wild because it seems it was so long ago that the, no- the last one was released and it it is now part of the firmament of anime less less perhaps than before but it's still there and it's wild like and also you've had the entire cohort of newer fans going what are all these oldens going on about who the fuck's he? who cares why is there yeah, a, yeah, why is I, there a dance
1: i i was gonna say yeah like i, I had a, a very old man moment when i saw like people re- reacting to that news of a new novel of like what what's this is mere. Like, what was? What is this? And and been like, oh no, like yeah, that was that was quite a few years ago now. And there's a whole like generation of fandom that has has not you know has not seen or, or read or, or heard of this. Yeah, one or
0: more, perhaps even. It's just like, oh, things have moved on. Shit. So yeah, shit's wild, honestly. um But yeah, it's as you say, there is that slight element to it. I mean, especially because like uh yeah it's it has an interesting element to it in that regard um i forgot my point so i'm just padding now i'll stop But yeah, I must admit, at this point, I would like there is a sequel released in like '96, which is like the kind of sequel to this of like years from 1983 to uh, 1996. I don't think it was quite as popular as this um, because it's more of an interim work and like a follow up. Um, And also given that he was writing the updated afterword with a slight old man yells at cloud element. um, You wonder if that also pervades the updated or sequel work. Um, But yeah, I I just say like I'm, I'm sorry to yell at this again, but I would be interested in like more discussion of manga like in that academic sense because there's enough fit to talk about frankly Uh, especially now with like you know digital is not new anymore you know you've seen lots of companies adjust to it and come up with new business models and we've even seen like entire cycles of business models die like hey remember j manga most people don't anymore because that was a long time ago but i bloody will still so you know that sort of thing
1: exactly and like you know i mean things like the the digital you know shonen jump app you know i mean that's that i feel like is something that we, we're still too close into to really kind of understand or appraise its impact you know and, and what that's going to do to kind of you know manga reading etc cetera, etc cetera. like that's going to be a really interesting one to revisit in like five ten years of just like you know what has the availability of, of kind of shonen jump in the west at such a low price digitally like what has that what has that done to the market in in all kinds of ways, so you know it's still a, a very kind of evolving and, and moving thing, which I think is is going to be interesting to follow.
0: At the risk of perhaps preempting, and feel free to call me wrong in a year when this turns out not to be the case. But I'm almost more interested to see what happens with Manga Plus, um, given that that is completely free and available, and obviously you don't get the whole vault thing, but it's right out there like you know they've been doing numbers and they've been posting some elements of those numbers online and you know what will that do um so who knows be fascinating to find out
1: um yeah in, in interesting times in in all of these industries as always well you know everything's
0: accelerating and now everyone's stuck inside so god knows um but anyway yeah it's but I will admit like if you the price on this book actually fluctuates quite a lot and it's not available digitally annoyingly um but i've seen it fluctuate from 10 pounds to sometimes 20 it depends on when you catch it um it has been in print and so it kind of oscillates wildly if i'm sure you know set a tracking thing but i do recommend it also actually side note um libraries often stock it um, because it is quite a well-regarded work and there is also a a, um, copy that you can legally check out on the internet archive um where you have To like use Adobe Premiere or whatever the fuck, and it's only a two week loan, but it works as a library, so you can read it online there. So
1: that's that's pretty cool, yeah. Because I mean, it it cost me kind of like closer towards twenty five quid on Amazon. So yeah, so I mean, it's certainly it 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 was on the pricey side when I picked it up, and you know, yeah, your 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 value kind of quotient may vary on that, but yeah, definitely worth kind of keeping an eye on that if those prices are fluctuating a lot. That's wild because I
0: think I only bought it a few days before you did, but I got it for thirteen. So god knows um either way that's part of the patreon money going to reimbursing you for that oh dear but yeah have you have you got any other thoughts to say about it andy i feel like i'm just repeating myself quite a lot i mean also one thing sorry actual quick tangent um lots and lots of lovely pictures of lots and lots of classic manga um which at the minimum it's nice to see the entire breadth of manga and styles i mean hell there's an entire section dedicated to salaryman manga which is all basically stick figures and nothing else um so that was really yeah. nice to see actually of just like here's stuff you probably won't ever see in the west because who the hell cares <laughs>
1: yeah 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 i mean all, all the illustration stuff is is really well kind of assembled and yeah like it, it's a good it's a good mix of stuff that you know you, you may well recognize in places with yeah like stuff you'll probably never never hear or see of uh see or hear of again
0: yeah and maybe you wouldn't care anyway because he wants to read like i don't know to be fair i would watch i would read a volume of salaryman poops himself constantly um <laughs> there's a lot of scatological humor in this book although confined to one section thankfully um but yeah and if you got anything else andy
1: no i think that's uh, everything from me Cool, i'm not
0: gonna false alarm um end now but yeah that's been uh manga manga the world of japanese comics um pretty cool um uh, i'd say um so moving on to our picks for next episode um i have picked something completely different um it's all gone up on Kindle unlimited so after our misfire about shaman king this one is actually already available um i've picked volume one of initial d the um, euro b vehicle i suppose and andy how about you
1: uh, yeah, so uh, I've uh, go- going for more kind of like hot, hot- off the presses, um, Shonen Jump stuff. Given that we just mentioned it, uh, given that its anime adaptation is is coming up fast, um, I have picked uh, as much as we care to read of Jujutsu Kaisen, which is available on the Shonen Jump app currently.
0: Yep, I started reading it yesterday because I asked you for a quick hint, so already diving into that. So moving on to close down. Um, thank you very much for listening. Um, if you want to hear more of our podcast, you can find them on screentone.club. You can also find them now on Apple podcasts on um, basically anywhere podcasts are available. We've submitted to, um, you can also find them on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel where we have all the episodes uploaded. If you wouldn't mind and you would be kind, if you can subscribe to the channel, because if we get enough subscribers, we can get a custom URL and not use a completely junk one that no one can pronounce. Um, also, if you like the podcast, please tell a friend. Um, word of mouth is still the best way for podcasts to spread and grow and take on a life of their own and mutate and give me three arms. Um, but if you fancy also helping us, um, feel free to join our Patreon. We think it's full of cool people and also cool bonus episodes that you get if you join the Patreon, both present and past you can also follow us on twitter at screen tone club or one word you can email us at the email address show at screentone dot club uh my name is elliot page i currently have a cat on my lap who desperately wants to go out so i'm going to wrap up this podcast uh but you can find me at elliot page on twitter mostly posting pictures of said cat at the moment and andy how about you
1: uh, yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter. Not not with a cats to, to post pictures of. Sadly, just just like anime images of, of of characters who like cats. Um, but you can find that at Hannah's nineteen seventy nine. So
0: yeah, thank you very much for listening. All and good night. Bye,
1: everyone.